Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Let's go. All right, here we go. All right. Mm. Welcome to On My Block. This is a Green Bay Packers podcast. Myself, Amon Green, is your host, along with my good friend and former teammate, Mike Wall. Man, how you doing? I'm great. Hey, live from the closet today, AG. So thanks, okay. for, uh, thanks for sticking with me, man. I got, a, I got a closet episode. Man, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. You know, a closet, um, a, a shanty, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Wherever you at, wherever I'm at, it don't matter. We that might be it. next week, man, the way things are going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you... As, as you mentioned, you remodeling there at the house. So, uh, no, yeah, whatever you, wherever you at, I got you just like you had me when we played here in Green Bay. So let's, uh, so from last week's show, I got, uh, I had basically had to watch the game through my phone. I helped my kids move down, down in your neck of the woods, down in Arizona. So got them all moved in and putting together desks and tables and um, all day, but I was still catching the game, like getting hints of the game, you know, and watching Aaron, watching AJ, watching Devontae, watching all the players play their game. But I uh, got the kids moved in. They're all in now. Of course, it was for 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 mom. You know, we we I, I don't know. The, the, when I cry, it has I, I, it just doesn't come easy. So for me, it was more hugs. Hey, now you're ready to go into that transition of life. You're an adult now. You're on your own. There's no family down here. And I'm telling both my daughter and my son this, and mom, ooh, they're 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 oh, boo-booing. Man. You know, that's just this is the way I am. I was like, it's hard for me. It got to be something. I don't know what. Hey, it has hey, to how, be. Many, how many times? How many times have you cried in front of your kids? I could count on one hand, at least five, at okay. least five times in front of my kids, because they cried, say that. I, I cried in front of my I cried in front of my kid. It's a, it, I'll probably divulge it at some point in our in, in our deal here, but I cried in front of my kid for the first time ever this week. Okay. And my and and both of my kids are like, "You did what? Like, <laughs> like, like what happened? Like he like it was it was nuts. It was let's just say I, I never do. I'm just not. I don't have that. Yeah. I don't. I don't have that gene for some reason. You know, Unless I mean, it's like yeah. a sad. If it's a sports movie, man, I'm waterworks. I am waterworks. Potentially yeah, for me, sports movie, um, obviously anything when we were playing from college to pro, 
yeah. is a game that we know a big game like the like the we mentioned this game all the time the four for 24 or 26 game you know that game you talk about that I'm, I'm, I'm like i'm on the edge i'm on the edge right there yeah, that's like uh, tearing off that's like tearing the armrests off the seat edge right right like, i'm not right. i'm like i'm not looking at i'm not crying after that i'm just like it's it's especially games like that you're like man i want to go play another quarter like we didn't finish that game right right you know? exactly <sighs> exactly so uh so we're back home now we literally just landed like an hour ago down in appleton got on up here mother-in-law picked us up and now back in the seat doing this thing and you are doing it from your closet uh, explain to everybody why you're doing it from a closet. Yeah, so why, listen, we <laughs> we uh, we we moved to Austin and we we got into this house and my we, my wife and I wanted to redo the floors and uh, they literally called us like a couple of days ago, the night before. And they're like, hey, we'll be there tomorrow, and to, we got a demo. We have you know blah 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 blah. And there's jackhammers going everywhere. I'm I basically this is the only place in the house that I can shut three doors, and so you you guys can't hear the uh, the noise. Otherwise, it sounds right. like I'm in damn Thunderdome. The rest of the house, man, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've, like, I've been finding, like, I've been, like, taking walks. I'm, like, trying to do anything to get out of the house. I'm, like, anybody wants to, Aaron, you want me to go to the post office? Oh, I'll go. Let me go. I'll do anything right, right now to get out of the house. Dude, it drives me insane. I can't work in here. My office looks like it's all dust. Every, it's nuts. I mean, I'm, listen, first class problems, but it's. <laughs> first, first, first world problems. First, first, yeah, world. yeah, first world problem. That's right. That's right. But, God, yeah. man, it's, it's bothering me. Gotcha, gotcha. I haven't been down that road, the remodeling road uh, yet. Um, we were thinking about moving maybe next year um, or the year after that, but no remodeling uh, stories for for you right there. But what we did get to, you know, talk, I say watch a remodeling of is the Packers going into the AFC playing the Bengals and mm-hmm. uh, was it John Brown Stadium out there in Cincinnati? Um, something like that. Paul Brown or John Paul Brown? Brown? Paul Brown. You're right. Paul Brown Stadium. Um, and you see a young um, up and coming quarterback in Joe Burrow. Who basically, who actually has some connections with uh, with a lot of stuff because of his coaches. His dad was a coach. I think he coached at Nebraska or did something in Lincoln. Because I remember I was there a couple of weeks ago and somebody bring brought his dad name up mm-hmm. that he coached on the staff. I think back in the '80s or something. But, but then became an NFL scout and bounced around um, the NFL. And obviously Joe being a ball boy growing up, being around you know pro players through his uh, childhood and obviously getting an LSU, Ohio State LSU his journey guys were kind of telling me that story, but uh, you know, watching the game, um, I see a team obviously still in that incline mode of getting better and better week by week, but going against a solid team in the Bengals. I mean, a lot of people, obviously a lot of people during the week, if you watch all this, you know, all the sports talk show, they said the same thing, you know, backers, you know, backers, Packers going to come in to Paul Brown stadium and and, and beat the Bengals handily things of that nature. I'm like sitting in my head, like, nah, it's not going to be easy. I've watched the Bengals play since week one, Joe Burrow, uh, Mixon, um, Chase doing phenomenal things as young players, you know, Chase for one right now being a rookie, but a wide receiver between wide receiver and running back, we know, I know for sure, those are positions that can transition pretty easy into the NFL speed of the game. So Jamar Chase right now, he's making things look very easy at the wide receiver position and did so in the game. Um, and I say for the first score for the Packers or one of the first scores, early scores, A.J. Dillon, if I'm a running backs coach, like I just mentioned off, you know, right before we started the show here, A.J. Dillon, great catch, got his hips turned, caught the ball clean, tucked it, drop your shoulder pads, young man. Because yeah, <laughs> he goes into the end zone and it's a, it's a corner or a safety, blows him up. So as a running back, because I'm like, if he runs, once once he runs to the sideline, I'd be like, hey, high five, boom, touchdown. You didn't fumble, good job. You took a hit. 
get your pants low, young man. <laughs> that's all you I know, was. That's the only he's correction. Got this bur- he's got this burden of being a giant too. So people expect right. him to run through everything. There was a couple times in the game, and it's probably been you know during the season where mm-hmm. you think he's just going to run through these tackles and like a little guy will, like take him down. And the truth is, little guy's making a good tackle, but we just because he's you know Quadzilla is two hundred fifty pounds, you just think he's going to run through everything, but uh, that's just not the case. And and he probably he probably you know big guys like fancy themselves like nimble, right? Whereas like little little sure. guy like yeah. like Aaron Jones, <laughs> hey Aaron Jones will he'll now he'll duck his head now like he'll yeah, I mean he's going do he'll he'll run long. right yeah he'll he'll fall forward. So it's just funny how those guys always look. Um, I I think for me, like the Bengals are, I don't want, like I I mistakenly called it a trap game because that's not giving them enough respect, but it it feels like it's one of those games where, and I really do think it played out this way. If you watch the way uh, we talked about last week, the the Rams playoff game last year versus the game plan for the, the Bucks or the way the game plan played out. This is one of those games where offensively for the Green Bay Packers, it's you're just like scratching your head. They run four, five, six plays in a row to start the game, and then it fizzles out. And the rest yeah. of the game, it just felt like, and you could watch it on there. You know, one, we're targeting Devontae Adams a ton, okay? And so a lot of things are deeper routes, and they got to run a guy through, and Aaron's holding the ball mm-hmm. a long time because we're, we're all yeah. running these five, seven-step drops. And it's just, that's not really where we're at, especially with all the guys that we have heard up front. Um it puts a lot of strain on the offensive line. It puts a do. lot of strain on the yeah. offensive line. It puts a lot of strain on Aaron Rodgers. I know he could shoulder it, but at the same time, it just it you could feel in the game where there was going to be some big shot plays, and there were, mm-hmm. but it's also it was it's going to be an inefficient game. And I think if you look at the Packers this season versus last season, one of the things that stands out is like their efficiency first and second down is way, way down than where it was last year. I think we were like number two rushing and passing last year, and now we're like you know 25th, 28th, or something like that. So we aren't as we aren't as efficient, and part of that to me is the way that they're calling the game. But mm-hmm. you know, my hats off, obviously, to, to Cincinnati. I think on the line of scrimmage, I think both sides kind of brought it. Um, Cincinnati's offensive Definitely. line, I think. Yeah, they, I think they. I think they started out playing well. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But you start going into those matches. You start talking about you know you're talking about Chase. Like the second play of the game, dude, we got Preston Smith out there playing in the slot against against Chase, I and mean, he catches that dig route. You're like. You're like, wait, what are we doing? Right. Let's not get this guy's confidence up, right? And, right. And I know Stokes and Chase played in uh, – played, they played, against, I think, against each other in college. And right. it was – this was the game where you're like, okay, this is where Stokes needs to get better, right? He looked – to me, he looked hesitant. Like, he was, he was kind of off script a little bit. Like, his, his principles of play, his principles of coverage didn't line up always with what we were trying to do as a defense, whether that's whether we're, because we're pressuring – pressuring whether whether we're whether we're you know sticking to two but we have to cover that that you know that secondary corner route like yep. if nobody's coming up front like there's well, there's just some things during the game where you're like man you could stick that a little tighter we gotta we gotta and then we gotta make tackles when we come when when the guy makes the uh the reception there's just some things where still a little bit hesitant and i think in that matchup obviously most people would say that that chase had had the better of the day but i'm yeah. sure the guys we played together for a long time exactly and like uh stokes there probably into a position mindset, being a young, being a, being a, being a rookie and basically starting um, sometimes just resort. If you can't remember the play call that the, whoever's calling the plays in the defensive huddle, you know, he's going to go resort to what he learned when he was at college, how he plays, how he plays man coverage, you know, if it's tight or if it's soft. Um, and you said those situations where he should have been tighter um, in a, in a third and long or third, and, you know, short, but knowing that, okay, if I give him some ground or leeway, 
he's going to hit that route. You know, Burrow's going to hit his guy on the, on the, on the third leg planning into that slant route. So I need to be here, but he was there, you know, he's being off, he's being soft covered instead of hard covered. Just those little things that he'll, he'll get as a rookie and, you know, maybe second guessing himself, like, you know, thinking hard, thinking too much about what the play call play call was. So, you know, it's just those little things that, like I said, that's why I said what I said in the beginning, the team, you know, getting there, you know, they're winning these games, but barely, um, but you know, the teams that they're beating, are good teams, obviously. They're well coached. I say more talented. I say the Bengals probably as talented as any other team in the NFL, but obviously young and has some uh has some a lot of things they gotta learn moving moving forward. Yeah, and they're definitely they're definitely talented at the skill positions, right? Like you can see where yes. there's there's some deficiencies maybe in the in the in the offensive defensive line, but they're I mean 96, so 96 is their like backup defensive end. And mm-hmm. he came in, he, when he played inside, I mean, he caused problems for us. He caused some real, I mean, he did, had some great pressures. Yes, he, was, he, he had our guys on skates a couple of times, you know, the, the, the other thing we got to talk about is like in the run game, we've been using some wide receivers, right? 13 has been coming down a lot, getting that back Zara, play. Yes. He's, yep. he's leading on those toss zones, man. They tried to give old 19 motion man responsibilities. What's his name? St. Brown. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Aquamina, yeah. Okay. He, Brown. he did not want that. He did no, not no. want that. Okay, so it's, it's Lazard. It's Lazard. Yeah, Portanian. yeah. No, so Lazard. Lazard's our guy. Yes. right. He's good for that man. Saint. I think it's Saint Brown. But it's Saint Brown. Yeah, you're yeah. right. He listen. If he was having, tri- if we were having tryouts for like who's going to do that number two of Lazard's hurt, man. We got to move on. We got to find yeah. somebody else. He was not yeah. about that life at all. And that surprises me because watching uh, Aquamania say Brown through during preseason, you know, he was on special teams, and you see him just given half effort because, you know, special team guys, they're, they're a little off and you know that, okay, this is my, especially if you're one of those wide receivers or them running backs, I got to make the team here. This is my job. So if I'm not given a hundred percent on every special team play and I was watching him through preseason and then boom, we talked about him in the first podcast, he was cut. And because that effort wasn't there. And so for a guy that's, I'm like, why would they put a guy they know that doesn't, he only wants to show up when the ball is his way, when he's already in the end zone, when the coverage guy did spelled and slipped down, and then it's a touchdown. <laughs> he's one of those guys. He's not going to put work together, you know, make, working on his routes the whole game, and then finally work the guy where he knows he got him on a dig or he has them on a on a deep a deep uh, corner route or something like that. But to put him in that position to obviously pick up blocks, I'm like, okay. Even though he has to – I say he's tall. He doesn't have – I don't think he has the muscle – to actually deal with that type of I was going to ask you, is, he, is it because he's, is it, are they, listen, we know, right? We talked about this before many times on this show. Yeah. Players know if that guy, if he's in or not, like, are yeah. you committed or not? Right. And if he's, if he's not committed, is he one of those guys that just has the physical attributes? So upstairs, they're like, man, we got, we got to get this guy right. Like, you know, this is, this is where you go inside the helmet a little bit inside the organization. This is where sometimes there's a disconnect between the guy who's buying the groceries and the guy who's making dinner. Right. Right. Sometimes, like, hey, listen, that you got right. to make sense to me. Hey, I'll never forget. We had the, we had a guy in Miami, man. He came down and he said, he said, listen, all these guys are 21, 22 year old. They're unmolded clay guys. They're unmolded clay. We got to teach them. We got to teach them how to act and who to be. And we're sitting there like, man, they're 21 and 22 years old. What the hell are you talking about? Unmolded clay. These guys are who they are. Now we can make them better versions of themselves. We can make them more technical. We can up their intelligence. But if you're, if you're a dickhead at 21 years old 
guess what, man? I'm not going to make you a good guy all of a sudden. I'm not going to, you're not going to get, you're not going to have work ethic all of a sudden just because I, I, you know, I touched you somehow. Like I, you know, I, I got, I, I got into your, I pulled on your heartstrings. Like right. if you're that guy, man, you're that guy. Like, I'm not saying there's not reclamation projects in the world. That's not what I'm saying. But if your philosophy as like a general manager is like, oh man, we can just kind of, we can kind of coach that out of them. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. No, no, you, you know? are who you are when you are 21, 22, 23 years old. Very few people at that age, guys and girls will just make a, a 180 turn be like, all right, right, now it's a whole other person. It's got to be something phenomenal in their life to do that. So uh, somebody that I, I say, I know you, I see you got Kevin King on, uh, on here yeah. talking about him. And he, um, I think right now he's in a secondary mo uh, role. Yep. And I think that secondary role is opening his eyes up. They're like, oh, now, because you know, when you get basically demoted, in other words, because he was a starter the last couple of years, as a first round pick, kind of like where Eric Stokes is at now. But once that demotion happens to where you only coming in on certain packages, that kind of wakes you. I hope this wakes him up to get to be more aware out there. Cause we know the plays that, that basically brought out questions about his awareness, or if that was coaching on the other end, obviously last year, what I'm referring to is the, the, the NFC championship game against Tampa Bay getting beat over the top in the, at the end of the half. So plays like that, you know, puts him in the position now. So, you know, hopefully the games and the plays that he made, I saw him in the game, you know, you know, sparringly, but it, it gets him to a point, okay, I need to start focusing more, getting that playbook and watch more film working on my technique. Well, listen, Alexander's going to be out. We don't know how long, right? That they're, too. They're, they're still talking about that. So, so he's going to get that chance, right? He's going to get a chance yep. to come back and improve himself. And listen, to his credit, he learned. He, yeah. he, he, was, he was getting beat. And he just said, hey, listen, this game, I'm going to play a little bit off and I'm going to make tackles. He came down and made tackles. Yes, right? he did. And for it, it's always like when this happens in every sport, when things are going bad and you don't know why, it just feels like you're driving a car on ice, man. Like you're yeah. hitting that wheel, you're hitting the gas and the brakes, man, nothing's working. And you got to get out. You have to find something like, okay, what do I know I can do? Like, what can I hang my hat on right now? Yes. Like in basketball, it's like, if I can't shoot, man, I know I can play defense. If I'm, yep. if I'm a defensive back and I'm having a hard time covering on press or they're going to, and the coach is going to just say, Hey, listen, I'm going to put you back. You got to make tackles. He stepped up, made those tackles. So he's got to come out of this game feeling like, man, I took a step forward today. And that, if they can do that with him over the next couple games, that's not only huge for Kevin King. See, it's not like we're not rooting for the guy, right? It's better for the team too. It's better for yeah. the team. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, mean, I remember, yeah. I remember my first, I could go back to little league. And remembering getting thrown at cornerback, nobody, only my brother had told me a few little tips. The only thing he pretty much said, if I jump for the ball, I better catch it mm -hmm. and don't let nobody get behind you. So that was my two DB tips from my older brother. Okay. <laughs> uh, outside of that, no foot technique, nothing, nothing taught, nothing shown. So I'm just relying on pure talent here, Mike. And uh, so I, I, I remember think you probably would have been all right, though. <laughs> I was all right. All right. I, like I would get beat off the break. So if a guy was running a slant, or a corner. Obviously, he'll beat me off the break, but with my speed, I would make it up and he catch up to him. But I was getting, you know, I wasn't a tall DB. You know, this is Little League. So I had a couple uh, like JJ Stokes guys over me. Like, five. if I was like 5'2 or 5'3 in Little League, these kids were like close to six feet. So, uh, but I knew, I, I, and, and by midseason, I knew this. I said, okay, my technique, I know my feet, I said, my footwork, I would tell me this even though I was young, I knew, I said, my footwork is not where it needs to be. I said, but there's no guy that's going to outrun me 
after he catches that ball, he's going to get hawked down. Or I'm going to blow him up when he catches the ball. I can hit. So it was, like you said with Kevin, I know I could do this. Just focus on this little thing. Because then as you get more confidence, then everything else will start coming along. You start, you know, peep, you know, peeping tips off the quarterback. Like, oh, okay, he's looking at, you know, he's trying to, you know, look me off, you know, or he's trying to no look me or whatever. Then, then the other part of the game comes along too when you get that confidence level there and starting with the stuff that you know you already got, got in the back pocket basically. Yeah, for sure. And I think people underestimate just how intelligent a Richard Sherman is. At I'm talking about yes. he's, intel, he's an intelligent guy either way, but yes. football intelligence. Yeah, I think I people do. underestimate yes. how intelligent a Richard Sherman is. Guy was, you know, great, long, long, lean body type, not that fast, but best DB in the league for years and years and years, right? Because he could do two things really well, read offenses and tackle. He could do those things very, very well. And that's, that's what we call sporting intelligence. And it just, it just doesn't come naturally. Like it's something you really have to work at. So I listen, like you said, he's, if, if, if Kevin King could be become a, a, a professional in every sense of the word, agree with Pack's going to be that much better off. He's going to be that much better off. So, you know, we, we, we're looking at it that way. You know, the last thing I had AG is everyone's talking about Joe Burrow and certainly he's a, he, he's one of those young guys that's going to collect a lot of accolades along the way. He's going to get a yes. lot of attention. Because of LSU, the draft. his prestige. Yeah, he's, from he's, that, yeah. he's, got, yeah, he's got the pedigree. He's smart. He's got the pedigree. Heisman Trophy winner, all that well, stuff, everything. He's got some yeah. talent. I wasn't impressed with the game at just in general yesterday. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about the whole, you know, poor Mason Crosby. Thank God he got a chance to make another, uh, another kick, but like, I didn't, I wasn't really impressed with the, with, with the way that either side was executing. And you look at, there's a couple of things that Joe Burrow did that you should, he showed how tough he was and how game he was for it. Like yes, he got folded be, in half. Yeah. He got he, folded in half once, you know, he's, he ran for a couple of first downs on fourth. And then, but you look at it, like if I think it was Savage misses that pick on the 70 yard touchdown, Right. And, and the yeah. whole game is just different after that. And there's a couple plays here and there where, because, you know, maybe it was Stokes off and we're missing tackles. And again, these guys mm -hmm. are pro athletes and, and we know how difficult it is to execute in these situations. But I think if yeah. we stay in front of our guys, make our tackles and just make the plays that we're supposed to make, this is probably not as much of a game. Um, and it, right. you know, like to, to their credit though, you got to show up, you got to make plays. Bengals defense did a good job. So, you know, overall it was, it was just, you're glad you get a win, but you also, this is one of those games we come out of and it's like, you're relieved that you won, but you don't feel really good about it. Right, right. I mean, because you look at, you talk about that play, that 70, 70 yard completion from teammate to teammate, um, LSU Tiger teammates there, Borrow to uh, Chase. And you see Savage, and as a DB, like I said, my brother told me that one, one of them rules, don't let the deep receiver get behind you. And you know the situation. It's late quarter, late second quarter. So basically, you know, going into halftime, I can't remember on the top clock, but I know it's just seconds on the clock as the ball was thrown. And it's like, why is he for one? Why, why is he behind you? You know? And then he panicked because you just leave your feet and this, he's hoping to hit that ball. He didn't left it, leave his feet. Like if he tracked the ball, he's leaving his feet with his hands out. Like I'm about to catch this thing. That's how close his hands were. Yeah. If he didn't look panic. Like he right through him. Right, it did. It basically the ball, like it's right here and it goes right through the middle. If he didn't panic, he doesn't panic. That's a pick or definitely incomplete. So he completely panicked, saying, All right, let me just jump and let and I hope I get some. Uh, 
I hope I hit the ball. I hope I, hope I tackle him. So that now was he's a, made a, a he's made a lot of plays for the Green yes. Bay Packers. So he and we but we it's like it's like were we the kings of the scramble drill? Like the defense got to run. Oh my god! <laughs> like, when I watch every game, every game, not just this this game. Yeah. We could, the games we're gonna talk about later. We're talking about the Seahawks game because you got Russell Wilson. You got oh, uh, you got uh, Josh Fields with uh, uh, Justin Fields with the Bears. You got um, Jalen um, Jalen um, wasn't it with the Eagles running around. Uh, yeah, of course, Pat, Ma- Pat Mahomes and uh, the kid from Wyoming at Josh the Bears quarterback, Josh Allen. That's what we did. We created. I remember doing scramble Jill three four times a week, and I see that that's kind of like the norm. Now in the NFL, a drill that started as, oh, you know what? We we, we did this during the game just off of playing basically like because we all play street ball. We might as well just, you know, in, 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 influx this into actual NFL professional. I'm pretty sure that was the Seahawks offense last year. Like I think that <laughs> less ruck, let Russ cook was literally like, OK, uh, we don't even have routes called. Just run over there and do something. Just get it open. Was, get yeah, open. it was nuts. It was nuts. So, Offensive yeah, was- line nightmare. I hate yeah. it. offensive line nightmare. Oh. I, I know y'all do because I was back there sometimes too, hold, yeah. trying to hold on to my linebacker or stay in front of him. Like, Doc, Brett, let's go. Let's get that ball out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll say these guys are not going to be happy with him when we get back to the huddle. He's there, not Mike. Oh, Mike and Mike and Marco. Hey, man. I'm, listen, hey, here's here's one for you. We're, we lose to the Rams, St. Louis Rams, in like second round of the playoffs. Yeah. I, I left like that. a pint of blood on the two yard line trying to dive after Aeneas Williams for like one of his three touchdowns, right. Or on interception, pick sixes. Right. Yeah. And I'll never so forget, dude, we were, we were, yeah, there's two things that were so funny about that game. One, I think he threw five picks and Brett was like, I don't give a shit. I'll throw 17 today. We ain't going down. Like, and we're like, we're like, yeah, yeah. And then we're all at the lineman. And then he goes, all right, Fox two, all go. And I just remember Marco was like, shit, because the Fox two men, they were sliding left. And he's like, ah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, we're again? That was a nightmare game. Yep. Yeah, I remember one of the passes, it was a little high and I, it ended up tipping off my top, my fingers and going to Aeneas on one. Of I remember things. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that, yeah, that was, I lost my ha- first half pint of blood on that play. I believe. Yeah. I was like, nah, that man. old turf man. Oh, that tore you up. Yeah. That was, Ooh. a old, oh, oh yeah. That was some, that old, that was that stuff that some of these kids don't even know what that is. That would basically change your life if you fell wrong on it, which a lot of like we both experienced totally skin, a foot of skin gone. Bro, did, I, did you know, did you know that that was concrete underneath there? Yeah. Like, I didn't, yes, wait, I, I, I mean, I knew it intuitively, but I'll never forget. I mean, we went to the Pontiac Silverdome for a Thanksgiving game. This is like 1999, 2000. And uh, we roll in for a walkthrough and they're literally rolling the carpet out. And there was, it wasn't like they're rolling a pad out. Dude, it was a slab of concrete and they just rolled this freaking quarter inch thick, AstroTurf uh, padded, and yeah, all of us are like the grass, the fake grass. All of us are like, "Holy shit!" I thought there was a pad. I thought there was something underneath there. No, nah, like, I knew. Yeah, I knew that. I remember back in high school, I went to the same high school my brothers went to, and swear to God, it was the same turf my brothers played on. No. And I remember one day I made a cut on it in seven on seven in the summer. I made a cut. I planted, and I didn't fall, but I I felt the turf give way. Like, hold up. And then when it gave way, I went back to the spot and looked, and I saw, like, it, it, it was, like, maybe that much of carpet, that much. And I saw concrete. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, that is all between that and my head hitting the ground. I Bro, said, and, they, and, they're, and they're all worried about, like, like they're worried sucked. about all this stuff now. We're like, dude, just falling over, you get a, you know, 
head you're gonna get knocked out you're gonna get knocked out so speaking <laughs> of being <laughs> speaking of getting knocked out we had uh, two players of the games that they did some knocking out they did, yeah, did some bull rushing and we'll start with your pick uh go ahead yeah. with your pick hey I'm, I'm giving it to dean lowry and here's the reason why one thing that the 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 cincinnati Bengals like they got some big guards and and um they have yeah. some, they have some, they have some, again, it's just like everything else. Like they're developing, right? They had a lot of problems last year. Injuries everyone thought they should pick up Sewell, who everybody was wrong. They should have picked up old boy from the, the Chargers, right? Yeah. They should have picked up free agency. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the rookie. I'm talking about the rookie, uh, Slater. They should have oh, picked up okay. Slater. I told everybody, everybody who would listen, hey man, Slater's going to be the guy. It's not the Sewell kid. Not the Sewell's not going to have a good career, but he's way behind technically. But Slater is legit, right? They could have picked him up. They picked up Jamar Chase. I get why. But there was these big question marks. And, like, at some point yesterday, Dean Lowry was, like, the only guy who figured out, wait a second, I can just bull rush these guys right into into Burrow's lap because they're really really not that good, right? And Mm -hmm. and so, for me, he had a huge impact on the game, maybe more so than anybody else uh, in the defensive box because he was very, very disruptive. Now, look, obviously, Kenny Clark's doing some – really nice things and he's Important playing at a high level huge, and he's starting game. to do a little bit more of the pass rush but he, yep. he played a great game but i haven't <laughs> said dean lowry's name this year and i was just i was happy for him because it's again it's another guy where we need that guy to step up his game as a green bay packers fan because it's just only gonna make that team so much better yeah yeah and i saw that i saw that late third quarter and all the fourth quarter um and then obviously overtime that dean like every other play it was 94 getting his name called Yep. And I'm, then I start watching the replay, and I'm like, oh, he's just walking them back. He's just straight mm-hmm. up bull rushing, or bull rushing because the offense alignment for Bengals are not – they don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to just, you know, you know, get engaged and then maybe, maybe pull his jersey out just to get him off of that or do something like Olay him, you know, because I've seen what y'all do to fight that, you know, as offense alignment. I've watched drills. i watched games. And, you know, to know that they didn't even – they didn't have that, that uh, escape plan, like, oh, my God, this dude bull rushing me. <laughs> what I'm gonna do? He didn't know how to drop it in. What they weren't probably they weren't dropping anchor. Something I know as a running back dealing with, with uh, big old linebackers. But uh, my uh, player of the game is gonna go to AJ Dillon, the big back out of BC. Um, played well and is complimenting uh, Aaron Jones very well. This is gonna you know this is gonna help come later later in the year when the game gets a little cold when the, when the weather gets a lot colder here in another month or so and then getting into that playoff run. Having a dual threat run game and a guy who, whose hands are great off the backfield, he could catch the ball. And obviously, I say one because of his weight, but it's not his weight, but he could definitely pick up the blitz. Uh, but he, he wants to. I mean, he wants to get back there and, and plug the A gap, plug the B gap or the outside blitzer. He can do it. He has his physicals, but then also he wants to do it. And then Aaron Jones, he actually gets it done, too, even though he's he's underweight, but he wants to do it. And that's the key. You got to want to get in front of somebody and be a bulletproof vest, basically, for your quarterback or whoever you're blocking for. Um, so A.J. Dillon, solid game, catching the ball, running the ball. Like I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast here, other than, you know, I would like, young man, get your shoulder pads down so I don't, I don't have to be you know, putting a smelling salt over under your nose when you go into the end zone because you almost got knocked out into the end zone. You know, you're a big, big guy, get behind. Don't take it for granted that those DBs, I say, like, like you mentioned earlier, those DBs know that you're coming and bringing the hammer every time. So you got to let them know that every time. It's got to be every time you hit somebody, you're you're sending a message. You got the weight behind you. You could do it. You're sending a message. So don't take a playoff because they won't you know, when they're hitting you. 
So, uh, all right, getting to around the league, some big games and some big injuries to a lot of people. I know uh, between, you know, Seahawks and Rams game, Rams uh, beat the Seahawks, but they lose Russell Wilson. Um, I know at least a month, if not longer, because he got to get surgery uh, for that ligament torn in his uh, throwing hand, actually. And uh, so that's a big loss for them. So and then obviously a loss in their division. And that's a division, the NFC West. That's obviously, like we mentioned, I think we said last podcast that they're going to beat each other. They're going to beat each other up out there on the West Coast. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? If you, you start looking at you start looking at that division now, and obviously Arizona's kind of in, in the driver's seat right now, but okay, so you got mm-hmm. MVP candidate, Arizona, MVP candidate. With Kyler. Yeah, right. Uh, hey, Russell. Uh, in, in LA, right? Well, no, it's oh, in, in Los Angeles, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Stafford. Stafford's Stafford. Play, Stafford's yep, still Matt playing. Stafford. Well, even though, even though yeah, like, and, and so, on defense so, with right. uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, they got a young guy coming up now. Trey Lance is going to start playing for San Francisco. Yep. So if you're looking at it from Seattle standpoint and who knows, like, you know, does Russell want to be there, but are they going to let him cook? Just, you know, just complain about your lineman. Like, he, right. you know, I, I can tell you as a former offensive lineman, like he didn't, he didn't make a lot of friends in, in like in, in my circles this last year, complaining about their blocking and whatnot. Right. But of course you kind of look at it from Seattle standpoint now, and they've kind of gone through their cycle, right? They got a lot of, they got a lot of contracts out when he was still a rookie. Now they had to pay him. All those guys are old or gone, right? The blue and boomer God, we talked about last week. Like they're not sitting in a great spot right now because they don't really have, like, they don't have a dominant offensive line. They don't have a dominant running back. They have a couple, they have a couple of good receivers, obviously yep. Dickie Metcalf Tyler, and, yep, and Tyler Lockett are incredible. Yep. Bobby Wagner is really the guy on defense now where I point to like, okay, who's because I know like Jamal Adams, like I loved him when he was playing for New York and I think he's a tough guy, but like last year he was, he was on highlight reels for everybody else's team for missing tackles last year and blowing coverage. So then they brought him up near the line and he's, he's, he's uh, rushing and he gets a bunch of sacks and like, I'm not going to dismiss that because you have, that is a skill. Even if they call your number, you still got to make the play. Yes. But now we're talking about we're going to pay him a ton of money. If I'm Seattle, I'm thinking, like, wait a second. We got to have somebody who can be more than just a box player and somebody who's coming off the line. Like, mm-hmm. This guy's got to be able to play coverage because we don't really have anybody's pass rushing right now. So, I, you know, I would be interested to see what, what Pete and then John Schneider, who's obviously Green Bay Packers family, and we all love John. Like, it would be yeah. interesting to see what they do the next this, this next probably six to nine months as far as how they finish out the season and the decisions they make next year because – when I look at it, I'm looking at it like, God, man, you got a lot of good quarterbacks in that league now or in that, in that division, yes. you got a lot of good teams that. in that division. And you might be like, Russell Wilson is not the difference maker anymore that he was in that division for years and years and years. Right. Those guys yeah. are catching up or have over, over surpassed. Yeah. And, and like speaking of Russell, just his play style, I think defenses, players and defensive coordinators are now used to that play style. You know, a Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson running around, like you say, scramble drill in the pocket. Teams are now game ready for that. We saw that with the Chiefs game and the Bills this past weekend or last night or last evening. So the Chiefs beat the uh, or the beat the Bills beat the Chiefs 38 to 20. So you see that defense. I saw a little I was watching some of the highlights and they showed on the bottom line. It said the Bills made this defense to defend against uh, the Chiefs offense. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously Tyreek Hill, uh, Kelsey and then Mahomes. And then the run game, you know, Edwards Alaire and any running back back there that, that filters in to that offense because we know Eric B. Enemy, um, Andy Reid have done an outstanding job of what they got weapon wise. They got probably the most volatile weapons of offensive players in the NFL. But the problem was up until now is now defenses didn't know what what to do, how to cover them, 
you know, just let them catch the balls in the field, but then red zone get tight, but then you still get, you get a uh, torch because you got Pat Mahomes running around like a banshee, you know, like Russell Wilson. And so now you see in that, as we talk about that parody in college football parody and competition, now you're seeing that parody with defenses are catching up to how to slow them down. Basically, I remember um, uh, when we, before I got here, and I remember, I think it was, might've been uh, Leroy mentioned when they, when Barry was playing Barry Sanders, Mm-hmm. They would say, just stay in one place. He's going to come back to you. <laughs> Don't run after him. Okay, AG. Because <laughs> I, I was there. I was there. That was my okay. year. Oh, yeah, that's here's, right. Here's what, here's what they really said. Okay, they'd be walking through the locker room, through the training room. I want to hear this. I want to hear I, this. And listen, first of all, Barry Sanders, I've told you, he's, the, he's like the, the most special football player I've ever seen. He's unbelievable. Yeah. They would just be, hey. Don't be scared now. You're going to miss. It's okay. Don't be scared now. Take a shot. Take a shot. Don't be scared. But it was literally, don't be scared. Don't be scared because they were so, because he was dropping 200, 250, two, or 230. Easy. Every time we saw him for like two years, man, like four games, he was dropping 200 yards every game. And I mean, don't be scared. You just got to take a shot. Hey, if you don't take a shot, I'm not going to get mine. Hey, don't be scared now. He, right. You're going to miss. You're going to miss. It's okay. And just, and it was always like, it was always this like, dude. It was always the same. It was so funny though, because you're just like, these guys, it's like we always talk about the Larry Allen flu for like defensive linemen. Like, oh, oh, oh I got to play Larry this week. Oh, I don't want him to kill me. Like, oh, man, my shoulder hurts or something. Oh, like, man, Barry we got Barry Sanders. Those guys, man. Like, oh, I think I pulled my hamstring. Like, oh, oh man, man, my hammy sore. Oh, man. Don't be scared. And that's now. what Pat Mahomes was. Yeah, that's what Pat Mahomes was for his first couple of years. First three years, all the way, you know, Super Bowl. They uh, are NFC, AFC championship game. They lose to the Patriots. Next year, they go all the way. They win. Next year, you know, this past year, they go all the way, but lose to uh, Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay. So, yeah, he was that. So now the, everybody's caught up to that. And uh, so you then go down the list of the big games this weekend. So in the division, we got the Lions almost getting a win. Um, but I know you're going to talk about Mr. Campbell, the head coach there, oh, to, to the Vikings, uh, losing 19 to 7. So that puts uh, the Detroit Lions, I believe, at what's that, 4 0? Oh, I mean, 0 oh, 4 or 0 oh, 5? Oh, 5, oh, 5, 5. Like the, losing, the losing streaks, like hitting record numbers on the back end because of last year, too. And, right. you know, we were talking about this off air. Yeah, so, it's tough because you see Dan shows a ton of emotion. And Dan's an emotional guy, right? And he, yeah, he, loves, he loves what He's he does. He's a player's I mean, coach. Right. Yeah. But, Unfortunately, you know, it's just one. I think it's always unfortunate that you show that side of you Correct. to the media, right? Because now it's a story. Like it didn't need to be a story because yes. that that was for, that was for the team. That emotion was for the team. And I think that's. I just think it's unfortunate. And then the other thing, it's a reality in the NFL. It's a professional, you know, professional. This is a business, a very, very competitive business. And yes, you know, everyone's saying like, oh, you know, they're going to rally and, and Dan, they're going to play for. You know, they know that Dan loves them and they're going to play for him. It's like, bro, they were playing for him already. Yeah, like like they're not gonna they're not gonna play harder now because he was crying. You know, it's just one of those deals where there's things that take you takes things to win in the NFL. One is talent, right, and two is execution, right. I, there's a litany of things, but I think somewhere along the top has got to be talent top and two. execution, right? And like nowhere in there is like whether or not one, like I'm two. super. I, I'm in you know I'm I'm super. I'm playing for like I I don't know. You and me are different probably than a lot of guys. But like I've never played for a coach. Like I love coaches and I might not like coaches, but it has no effect on what emotionally I'm bringing to the game and what kind of focus I'm bringing mm-hmm. to the game. Now right. I know people that do have that issue, but I'm just saying like, I, it's, it's hard for me to speak on because it's unfamiliar to me. I'm just like, am I ready right. to play or not? Right. It doesn't have anything to do with how emotional you're showing. Right. Like, yeah, Dick, like remember Dick Vermeil? Shit. Yeah. Dick Vermeil cried all the time, man. 
it was just part of his right. he was like hey man i'm a crier what do you want and everybody <laughs> right. loved him you know it is what it is but yep I, yeah different. i i i did so back in college when i was at nebraska had tom osborne that that was a coach i played for because the way he could get us motivated and have us breathing fire without saying one cuss word after my you know halfway through my freshman year i realized that and I respected him for that because I'm like, because at that time I've been through Little League football, baseball, basketball, and every coach dropped a four letter word, you know, to either get you going or berate you, correct you. And I was, and it was, you know, it was, it was normal. It was the norm Mm -hmm. to have him for three years. I was there, not, not one swear word, but to do things, to say things to get us ready to play, you know, was like impressive. You know, we were looking, I was like, did he say something? Oh, no, no, no. He would be like Mother Teresa or Malarkey. Um, or a, you know what, guys, we were having a bad day. <laughs> when you said, when he said that you're, we were, he was mad. He wasn't happy. He, he wasn't happy. Um, but then get, you know, I get drafted and I'm back to my little league ways. Like, okay, these coaches, I get, I get this. I was going to say like, and I wonder, <laughs> but you understand too, right? Like in the NFL, we're talking about grown men making yes. money with families. And that's where it changes for me. Like, yeah, I probably had some coaches. And that's where it changed for me, too. That's where it changed. Yeah, yeah. For me. So coaches at college, coaches in high school, where you have different feeling towards, because it's a different point yep. in your life. I'm just saying at this level, I think it's I think it's tough. That's all. That that yeah, yeah. So when I got I'm not drafted, saying it's a bad thing either. I'm just no, saying I don't not, know what if it moved out. It's not a bad thing because uh it's just yeah. if a coach has that in their, you know, if that's how they coach, that's how they coach. Yep. Period. And you gotta respect you mean because they gotta know themselves as a coach, because we're coaches now pretty much. So you gotta know yourself and how you react and you got to let your player know or they're just going to see it because it's going to come out. Um, but, yeah, once I got drafted into the NFL and for the teams I was on, the Seahawks, the Packers, the, the Texans, you know, it was very much norm. But like you said, now for me, like, like kind of like you, I was no, I was self-motivating myself. Regardless of what the coach said, what I'll say that if anything, other people I played for was y'all, my teammates, because I knew I had to show up. If I didn't show up, I was going to hear it from y'all. Y'all going to be like, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, what's passion is, get your head passion out your butt. Passion is the best if passion helps you get your point across, right? Yes. Passion ma- makes a difference if it helps you get your point across. Otherwise, I, I just don't know if it's valuable. True. Yeah, if it, because uh, if you're just passionate all the time, eventually people, you'll be, players will be like, oh. why, is so, why, is so, why is he so upset now? Why is he, why is he crying now? Right. What happened? Crying, bro? It's, it's a Tuesday, boy. It's a, it's a right. Tuesday. What's, what, what happened? So, and so, and again, in the division, uh, Bears get another victory. Uh, Justin Fields got beat up again. He's getting hit hard. Uh, he'll learn. He'll learn his lesson. Or the line is going to block for him, one of the two. Uh, but they beat the Raiders uh, 20 to 9. And the Raiders are looking, you know, they start off fast. They got that win, you know, Monday Night Football week one against Baltimore. And they've been winning. It's just kind of been, you know, up and down. A lot of mistakes from the other opposing team from the opposing team in each game to get them that win. But now they played up against a team where you saw Kai, you got, you saw Cleo Mack, like I'm getting in his backfield. Right. He was doing the ET stunts and or doing his own thing, getting back there. And now he's showing up and just enough offense. And we are, I think watching, and you know, this, I mean, you know, that's the first round right? draft pick too, right, bro. That's the first <laughs> round draft pick for Alabama, Alex Leatherwood, right? Yes, right tackle? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, um, but now, you know, that defense is playing because they have an offense now. Yeah. And then, and you and me both know as players, they have hope, right? Exactly. Yeah. Since when Cleo Mack got there, you know, obviously Bears fans like, oh, yes, we got the best 
defensive end slash linebacker in the NFL. He's going to have all – and he did – he's going to do him. But I told people sitting in the stands, when that happened, I remember that first year, it was a Monday night game where he he lit it up. You know, he was in Lambo. He got the sack. He had the fumble return. Mm-hmm. He almost won the game literally by himself. But what happened? No Bears offense. And Aaron could get out there. That's when Aaron – he tweaked his knee and came back and won the game on one leg. He hit the remember one that, deep yeah. – one hit the one deep pass slant to uh Randall Cobb and game's over and they win by a touchdown or two or three points. And so now stuff that we knew as players that I don't care how good your defense is, they could be the number one defense in the NFL or top 10 defense. But if you have no offense to where that offense takes some time off the clock where that defense can simply recover, you know, get rested, you know, get a series where it's a long 15 play offensive series that defense is going to be mediocre by midseason if they're not scoring the points and, and, and drain the clock time off that clock. So now they got that offense and just hopefully Justin Fields can stay healthy. Cause I watched some of the highlights and he was getting blown up. He got, and he twisted, he uh, hyperextended his knee. So Mac Nagy is um, trying to explain that and making sure and I say he won. He shouldn't miss. I've had plenty of those as a runner and it happens. Um, it's going to be sore as hell. I just know that much. It's just sore. It, it hits the hamstring. It hits the MCL of the pain area that lights up, but he could still be in the quarterback and being the young player that he is, he could, he could get back on that field next week. Um, just hoping for that bye week real soon. And then the game that surprised me, I mean, it surprised me when I was adding it to the, to the run of show, the Eagles beat the Panthers. I forgot mm. to put the score in there. Uh, what was the score here? It's up here. 21 to 18. I'm like, what? I'm like, I for sure. Cause I know Eagles have been struggling. They got a good team. You know, got Jalen hurts. Um, they got the kid, the wide receiver that won the Heisman last year from Alabama. Uh, and they got a run game. They got a okay defense, but it's just something. And then Panthers are just been hot coming into this week. You know, they've been playing solid football. They were three and one going to this game. And now I, when I put it, like you, like you heard me when I pulled this up, I said, what? Yeah. I, was like, I was like, Philly won. I, don't, I did not expect that. Well, you know, if you just – if you at face value, you'd say, okay, listen, Philly's got a – if you're saying, Mike, how could Philly win? Philly's got a really good defense. They, got, they, can, they are a team that could hold a Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers to, you know, two touchdowns, two touchdowns and a field goal, three touchdowns, right? They can hold them somewhere around 20. I'm just, I'm just saying that's possible, right? And I don't know if Christian McCaffrey was in or out. I, I don't think he played this. this he was week. out because he's on yeah, my fantasy. I, so yeah, <laughs> he was out. <laughs> there you go. So you, so you just go, okay, well, he's he's out. So I can close my eyes and say we can hold him to twenty, right? And mm. now you have Jalen Hurts, who, while he's still developing, I don't know if Philly knows if he's the guy or not. But he still, he has, he is a dual threat quarterback against a team that has been beating the brakes off of quarterbacks who stick in one spot, right? They're exactly. bringing free rushers. They're bringing guys to the spot. They, the Carolina Panthers, when they pass rush, they cross face. They make him get off the spot. I love the way they rush, right? And so the mm-hmm. second guy usually does clean up. But with a guy like that, when now you have RPOs, you have options, and the guy's a, vi- a very viable runner, again, you can just kind of go, well, shoot, man, if we're going to keep this thing tight, like they could probably drop a couple. Maybe he runs for a few. You know, exactly what happened. They keep it close, and Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts makes a couple of big plays in the, with his legs. And, hey, man, the Eagles are fighting. I love it. I, love, I think the NFL is better when the Eagles are fighting. You know, when the Eagles are in the conversations, like, because they got such a great fan base. Like, I'm, I'm always like, I always want the Eagles to be doing well. That's just me. Yeah, I, I, I say this. I definitely have a couple fan Eagle fan stories 
that are it was the years we went out there together. 03, I believe we went out there for they came to us in 03 regular season. But think, yep. I think it was like 04, we went out there for regular season two. Or in 02, we went out there in 02. It was almost like every other year. It's actually those three years in a row. It was 02 to 04, we went out there. And the Philly fans, man, they – I would not go to a Phillies game unless they – unless I'm in – like I'm getting special treatment, preferential treatment. I'm going to the box. Because Philly – the Eagles fans, before – they probably better now because they won a Super Bowl. But at that time, they were far from the Super Bowl. They had a um, lot of hate in their heart. A lot of hate. A lot of hate. I, I remember warm-up, uh, uh, what was it? it, had to, it was, I think it was the old one year we went out there. And I'm warming up pre-game. They're like, I'm not, no, it's, this is the no, this is the playoff game. I take that back. It's the 0-3 game, playoff. And they're like, I'm not green. I'm like, so I'm taking my head. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you know, he's like, you suck. You're so you nice, dude. You got you gonna have four fumbles. We all Brett's, you know, Brett's go those six interceptions. And then, and then I'm like, I was like, what? And they like, you gonna break your legs too? I'm like, uh <laughs> so I go, uh, okay, what's gonna happen first? I'm gonna break my legs, or I'm gonna have a six right. fumble. They're like, man, shut up, F you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're two, we're we're two cases in. Right. We, it's it's 11 a.m., man. We're two cases in already. Back off. We've been going hard since last night. Oh, bro. This is a playoff they, game in Philadelphia. They, they are the they, – like, they're self-loathing. They're, they're just the best fans ever. Like, that. remember that game, actually, in the, in that 4th and 26 game? Yeah. They went from booing us to actively booing the Eagles for, like, a quarter and a half yes, to booing yeah. us again. I was like, I've never seen anything like it in my whole life, man. It was like Amazing. it was like sitting it was like sitting in the Roman Coliseum and you weren't sure which gladiator to fight for, like cheer for, man. Like, no, no, you kill. No, no, you kill. Oh, it was insane, bro. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down, dude. dude that's how they do it. And they go, well, you Those guys mean, are the best. They're the best. I mean, when you – they're the best when they've earned that their stadium that they go and cheer for their team has a courthouse in it. Okay, that's when you know those fans are real about their team. They got a judge and jury and bailiff in that joint. Okay, and Lincoln Financial and at the old Veterans Stadium back in the day. So just for no, just for fans listening to podcasts that didn't know that about Philadelphia Eagles lore. Yes, it was a courthouse in old Veterans Stadium, and they brought it over when they built Lincoln Financial. I believe in like 01 and 02, 03, or whenever they built that stadium. So, uh, all right, Mike, we, we to your favorite part of the yes. podcast, Trench Warfare. So get us going, buddy. What yeah, you got so going? Here, here's a couple of just observations. First of all, we missed Myers. We just he, – he's a good player. We missed him, right? We yeah. missed him on big, double teams. Big missing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if like uh, – if the, if the pace of play or anything changed, but you could see we, we – and I like Patrick. Like, it's not like I don't like Patrick, but, but Myers, right. you could just tell Myers is a good player. Here's what happened yesterday. And I think it was because Myers wasn't there. 70, right, was mm-hmm. not nearly as physical as he had been playing. The, like, the O-line did, just did not set the tone like they've been setting the tone. And, again, we talked about it before. A right. lot of it was game plan because, listen, when, when the Bengals were, had six in the box, we could run the ball. Right. Right? So I think a lot of it was game plan. But you got to remember, when we talk about the psychology of the sport, when you're drop back pass and scat protection, five step drop, seven step drop, and all of a sudden, like your whole game is now, all right, this guy's running at me. He's a better athlete. He's trying to beat me. And if he, if he gets to Aaron, I'm going to look like a fool. Like your mindset over the course of a game shifts. 
Right. And we just didn't like to me, there's not, you know, there's not as many finishes. You're talking there's about Royce Newman much, there. Yeah, there's just not as much movement. I still love the left side of the line. I think he's doing great. Like Runyon is making, like he is putting he's putting money in the bank right now. Like yeah. equity is up on on Runyon. I don't know what happens wherever he comes back, but if he he's got to be in the lineup. The kid can flat out play. I don't know if they move him to right guard. Like I, I don't know what they do because Jenkins can move anywhere, but mm-hmm. that kid's got to be in the game because the he brings a physicality and a demeanor to the game. And I, I just I, I think it's so so important for this team because on any given Sunday with we have Jones, we have Dylan, we have all these weapons. We, we have a we have a running game if we want mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes we got to make sure that we want it. Right. Yeah. And I think this is th- that was kind of the big the big show for me on the offensive side. I don't know what is that kind of what you thought? Yeah, because like when you okay, like your last comment there, you know, you gotta know you want the run game. And you don't just run the ball out the formation because you're setting up another pass out of this formation. You gotta want, you gotta have the players in position. Like you said, St. Brown should not be coming over for the crackback block when we already know his effort is not 100%, 90% of the time, 95% of the time. Bring Lazard over, bring Tunyon in. We know those guys are gonna make those tackles. I mean, those um, them, them blocks, because obviously those blocks gets the play started. You don't hit certain blocks in an early uh, to power toss play. Those early blocks, the play's dead. You know, our, you know, defensive linemen getting in penetration, Cincinnati had that on some of them plays. So it's, uh, you know, Mark, you know, coaches staff knowing, you know, making sure the players are in the right positions uh, to win their, to basically win their play. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, listen, when, the, when we play with the two tight end set, I mean, you know, I think Mercedes Lewis is still, one, you know, yes. one of, if not the best blocking tight ends we have. Uh, all the, I think all the Titans are doing a good job and they were effective today in holding off their defense ends outside linebackers. Like we got edges, we got backside, we backside cutoffs. Like they're running the wham for like eight when anyone comes in, he can't block. So they, they wham him on the backside. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's like the standard play in the NFL. It's like, if they don't think a tight end can block. They're like, that's all right, man. We'll just cut you backside. You can throw on the defensive end. Yeah. And we're going to give you the hardest black to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, but, but it's, it's the, the hardest, hardest but it's also the easiest, right? Cause you just got to cut yeah. a guy, but then you also got to like, you might get kicked in the head. So it's like, it's right. Kind of, He's going to be mad at you. Yeah, it's going to be exactly. But, you know, when, again, from the perspective of the offensive lineman, like what they're doing to Devontae, you got to look at what they're doing to Devontae Adams. Like they're trying to set him up for success as often as possible. And what they did yesterday from the, from the Packers perspective is like, they spent a lot of time having him changing zones on the field. So it's like, you cut the field into like thirds and I'm talking yeah. about like horizontally, they'll start him in one and run him across the other. Cause they want to get him on different guys at different points. Right. Yep. So he can kind of get lost in the mix. Or if he's playing, if they're playing man on him, it's like, man, he's no one's keeping up with him. If we're going to make him run on these big routes or these shallow crosses. So those things take time. And again, when you're just doing these five and sevens and sometimes Aaron's back there for gosh, five for, six seconds. And then right? he's back. And then he's backpedaling. When he's yeah. Yeah. It throwing. just feels different in that game where I thought we could have, I thought we could have dominated up front more than we did. But you know, now that I'm kind of talking it through, it's like part of it was probably the game plan. Cause it's not like we didn't have success on the ground for a, a large part of the game when we were actually trying to make hay. But, yeah. And it just shows, it just tells uh, the other side of the ball, you know, Bengals came, you know, they came with a get with their game plan uh, defensively mm-hmm. there. I was watching a lot of ET stunts with a 96, 94 coming in there and getting that penetration. Um, early and later in the game, especially once the game went into overtime, and we know why that did, you know. Um, but also, want to bring up real quick how you, one of our old guys, uh, Gizzy, and what he had, what, what he was sporting 
I've been noticing. Yeah, we talk about we talk about setting the tone, man. If anybody's setting the tone in the Green Bay Packers now, it's a strength conditioning coach, Chris Gizzy, man. He has got one of the strongest stashes in the league right now. That thing was real. Yeah, you got it. Here's the deal. Gizzy was an Air Force Academy guy, so I used to play against him, and he was like a legend at the school. Like I remember, he was one of those guys. Like no matter what, who made the tackle. The whole the whole defense would be like, yeah, Giz. Like when you got up from the play, like, dude, Giz didn't even make the tackle. But like, yeah, Giz, get him, Giz. Cause they were just like in love with this dude. And right. he was our teammate, man. Like he's he's an incredible guy, but he is rocking this stash. I mean, he looks like if you're like, hey man, I want to chisel out of stone, like the ideal strength coach and his mustache. Like this thing is just phenomenal. He set the tone on the sideline, man. I loved it. Yep, yep. I remember meeting him for the first time in the weight room, and he was balancing on a physio ball, um, squatting. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I like Dude, this. He was doing dips with, with – so, Bloke, Mark Lavat yeah, was the strength uh, coach. He was doing dips with Bloke on his back one day. I was like – and I was like – I was pretty strong. I think I you, like, I think, yeah, I think you told me that. I remember I was that. like, God damn, what are we doing over here? <laughs> I, I'm like – when I saw him doing the squat, and I'm not sure if – I think he had the bar on his back. Probably. He was doing back squats on, the, on a small physio bar. I said, that dude's strong. You know, it's funny on the other side, on the other side of, of, of the, of the ball, when the Bengals were out there, I think offensive, like their offensive line came to play for sure. One thing that was, one thing that happened is their tight ends made our defensive ends think too much early in the game. Right. And and what I mean by that is they were hesitating. They were squaring up their stance. Like Gary squared up his stance a couple of times where you're like, dude, you don't have to do that. You can just attack him. Right. Or we're attacking edges instead of pressing them back into the hole or they're, they're preventing us. Just by body presence, they're preventing us from like getting a good run at the tackle. Because, in, in my estimation, yeah. and it showed up, it definitely showed up. It did. But in my estimation, like and, our and defense ends are way, that. way more, you know, way higher class than their tackles. And you just, it's that it goes back to like, man, we got to press that pocket a little bit more. And we had opportunities. And, and again, that's why Dean Lauer was my player of the game because it was almost like he put this flag in the ground. I was like, no, what, guys, let's just start bull rushing these guys because they're really not that good. Basically. <laughs> but right. but you you do that because uh, you put them tight ends there because you know you need help. They you know yeah. Zach Taylor in that offense. Uh, he's the offensive play caller and the game planner, and he knew right now. Okay, let me put this in my little. Let me put this little accent in here. So obviously because they got some really good defensive ends. Um, even though Zadari is out for the you know for a while, um, but Preston Smith is still in there. Gary Rashad Gary is is waking up. He's kind of getting into development to this game, and so let's slow them down a little because if not. You know, Burrow's going to have a tough day. And so that's a good accident. You know, that's no different than along with the tight ends, you got the running backs chipping, you know, the defensive ends or the line, outside linebackers before we go out on our routes. You know, you mm-hmm. throw that, you know, running back, make sure you chip. This week is, I remember every week, our start weeks when we had a good defense, you know, when we played against the Tennessee Titan when the freak was there, you know, Javon Curse, mm-hmm. it was high emphasis on chip blocks all day. Even on, even on, even, even on a scat protection, it was like, hey, coach, I got to get to the flat. It's scat. They're like, come on, just if you could give us a shoulder. <laughs> I was like, all right, <clears throat> I, I can help out with that. Here's the deal with that, though, right? So, <clears throat> you're, so, uh, so fans out there, when you're thinking about chipping, right, the, the most effective chip for a defensive end is from the outside in if they're on the yes. line of scrimmage. In other words, if the tight end's got like a two-yard split or a yard-and-a-half split, and that defensive end doesn't know where to line, so he lines up inside, like outside the left tackle, but inside the tight end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, every once in a while, and you know who did this the best was Antonio Gates. Every once in a while, he would absolutely launch that dude. 
right? And now yeah. every play you're kind of like looking and it slows you down. They're not doing that here. And so what right. always like what always befuddles me is from an outside linebacker defensive rush in whatever perspective is if I've got a guy that I know can't block me anyways, and he's on the line of scrimmage, dude, I'm just taking my same angle. I'll just run right through his shoulder for the times that he is there and the times that he's right. not, I'm going to take my jump. And this game, they're like squaring up. They're kind of reading it. It just took a little time for us to get going. But again, I think Dean Larry put his, you know, put the flag in the ground. I was like, wait a second, guys, Easy. let's not overcomplicate <clears throat> this. We can bull rush these guys all day. Like, oh, look what we can do. We can do this. All right. I think we, are we done here? You yeah. done in here? All right. Let's get on to get off my line. And uh, sorry this week. I couldn't, I knew I had one, but I couldn't think of it. Uh, but I, you know, I was packing and I was on the highway. It was national lampoon it. So I, I don't have one, but I'm going to piggyback with you on some of these and, and help give an explanation on the last one here. Oh my. <laughs> uh, but well, you can start this off for get okay, off. Listen, get the off first our, thing get to off get off my, my line, line is I, we never did this back then. So we, when you talk about defensive rotation, yeah, you have now basically two, you basically have a, 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 your first four and your second four that come in the game and they usually come in in, in a wave. Right. Yeah. And so, it used to be that your first four would start. If, if you basically, if you were like on the ten out to the forty, you would you'd start that drive because we want to pin them back. We want good field position. And yeah. then if they got going and it was like they were, uh, you know, they got they got you know three, four plays, four or five plays in a row, you'd put in your second defensive line, right? And then yeah. if we got to the forty going in and it was near in field goal range, you put your studs back in because you need to stop. I'm seeing, and it happened in this game, and it happens with the Packers, and it drives me insane, but it happens all over the league. They're starting drives with the twos, and you don't understand the fall-off between ones and twos in the NFL from a, at the defensive line, except for in a few, in a few teams. The fall-off between one and two is so dramatic that, like, if, like, for me, if I was an offensive coordinator and I was playing, I'm going to say, 30 out of 32 teams, I can't even think of one that would that would, would not be a drop off, but there's a couple teams out there that I know they're playing a lot of defensive linemen. But <clears throat> I would literally anytime like their defensive line switched to the twos, I would just like I'd run all my best stuff. I would right. run all my best stuff right there. Nothing conservative. If I wanted to go deep, I'd go deep then. If right. I wanted to like run power, I'd run power. I would run all my best stuff, double teams, blow them off the line, because the difference is so great. And what's happening is when you watch these games. Yeah, like sometimes I make plays, and again, these are all pros. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not saying anybody's garbage. I'm just saying the drop off is real. And what yeah. happens is, unfortunately, true. like you give the other team momentum that you didn't need to give them. Like you're you giving the that. Bengals a first down that they didn't they didn't deserve because yeah. you just don't have the right guys in. And it's just it's it's kind of like I, you know it's old school for me, man. It's like the players play as long the first team plays as long as they can. Then you know if you need to blow, you go out. But like, dude, if you were just out sitting out for five minutes. And get yourself back in there. Get off my lawn. Right. And it's uh, that momentum. You lose that momentum, it's sometimes hard to get back, even when you got the ones in there, back in there. You know, yes. so be careful. You got to – yeah, they're playing – they're playing a Russian roulette right there with uh, switching out. And I see that sometimes, too. I just – yeah, I don't, I don't – I didn't know why, but now I kind of listening to you now. It makes sense. Uh, and we got the next one in here, celebrating incomplete passes. Oh, dude, you know oh. how it is, man. It's like – we talk about this it's like do it's like bill belichick do your job right, right? do exactly. your job bro can you imagine i mean just <clears throat> it's bad enough we have the end zone video thing with the, i mean the yeah, turnover, the, i like it like i'm not gonna right. lie to you like i like i like that they do it but we're, i'm just i'm just i'm just old and bitter about the other like not celebrating being able to taunt and everything like not being able to taunt dude like right. uh but this thing like the celebrating passes so now 
or, or excuse me, celebrating incompletions. Now we're seeing, and we've seen it forever, I guess, yes. but because they, it's like they've taken away. I guess I'm not complaining that they're celebrating passes. I'm complaining that you can't taunt. And I'm complaining, I'm complaining that you can't talk trash. And I'm complaining that you can't look at a guy after you make a good play. And so now they're like, they're I knocked the us. ball out of your hand and I got to like turn over here and uh, go crazy. It's like, dude, it's just nothing we do makes any sense anymore. Right. It's like, yeah, it's it, it just, us. it's like they keep on me. It's just like the rule changes, man. I feel bad for the refs. Like you make a rule change, like the NFL makes a rule change or, you know, a body of a, a body of humans that are not actually playing the game are changing the game. And then they're, and then they're like, all right, refs implement. And then everyone gets pissed at the referees. Like everyone's pissed off every week. Referees are terrible, man. I could not be a referee. You know how hard it is to be a referee when you don't even know what the rules are. Right. I had a coach. I had a coach one year. We're running. We ran fullback dive against the new Orleans Saints. I played in the Carolina Panthers. Mike Mazur is a coach. We run fullback dive. We're killing them. Right. This is during, this is the hurricane Katrina. They're displaced. It's like at the end of the oh, year. Like we're gotcha. going to the playoffs. Oh, they're oh, just, they want to go home, like to oh, their families. Six, yeah. So we're Brad Hoover's getting like six yards of pop on fullback dive, man. But the, but the damn uh, linebacker keeps making the play. Cause Hoover's not cutting off us. He's just running where he wants to run. And we're just dumping him in the nose tackle as long as we can. So I come in the next day and he's like, <clears throat> I have minuses on this fullback. He's like, man, you got to get off on the linebacker. I'm like, linebacker's got to come to me. That's that's on Hoover. He's like, no, it's, and he, he got mad. I mean, he's like throwing stuff angry. And I'm like, whoa. So I like calmly, I was like, hey, man, he's like, why are you so mad, man? He goes, because I don't know what the damn rule is. And, but he didn't say damn. He said every other word you could think of. We're throwing pins and shit. But the bottom line is like sometimes when you just don't understand, that's an easy play, right? But uh, when you don't know, when you're getting told upstairs that you're doing something wrong or you're right. getting told upstairs like the rule ain't the rule anymore, right? Man, yeah. I just don't know how these refs do it. Oh yeah, I, oh man! I know. I, I I look at some plays that a referee throws a flag and the player gets in his face. The player's like, you know, like what's up? And I'll be like, I say, if I was that referee, I'd be like, bro, you better get out my face. Oh, AG, you imagine you and Hockley had guns. You think Ed right. Hockley had had tight T-shirt? AG, you see AG out there with a tight T-shirt? Right. And like, you sew bro. that thing together? Yeah, I'd be like, bro, you better get out my face, man. I'm dealing. <laughs> You got to see what I'm dealing with in New York, man. What you, uh, with, you know, they got a hundred rule changes every day oh, <laughs> that I got adjust. Okay. I'm a comic book guy. So I can help okay. you through this one. Okay. This next one. So I can't okay. wait till you talk about this. I read, it's not, this isn't a get off my lawn. I don't even know if there's a social commentary. Two things happened this week. One, I'm driving down. I was, I was, I was working some players. So I'm driving down to Houston on Friday <laughs> and I'm listening to Chappelle's new, the last the closer on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And I'd read like oh, all one. these, you know, all, all these groups are angry with him. So I yep. check it out. You know, it opinions, opinions, but it's he he really goes after the um was it LG LGBTQ. LGBTQ community, right? He goes after him. And he's oh he's been bad with him for years, it sounds like. Yeah, and it was one of those if if I won't spoil it, but this is like back in the day when Sam Kinison went after the gay community and he just, he like, wouldn't let it go. And it kind of, right. I'm not saying it ruined his career, but it was like, man, you're really funny. You like, you can talk about some other stuff. You don't need to like take this all so personally. Right. right? right. You're, you're kind of like, Turn they were getting page. mad at him, but like, you're, you're kind of doing the same thing that you're getting mad about. But anyways, so it, so that happened. And then, gotcha. and then like as a knee jerk reaction, which I'm sure it wasn't, but it just, it just came out like the next day I see DC comics. It's like, Superman's going to be gay in the DC comics. I'm like, super. I read DC comics like Superman's going to have a, a, a relation, a, a romantic relationship with another man. I'm huh. like, now we're going to make Superman 
As, and I was, and my first thought was like, was this because of Dave Chappelle? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, man. Hey, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I know why I'm not think. I know right now, obviously, this is the, uh, the sign of our times because obviously everything since 2020 has been changing over and then making sure this is the inclusion aspect of of popular life of pop culture basically and 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 one place where pop culture sets the tone is in the comic book world dc marvel because they got batwoman a couple years ago was lesbian you know and she has her girl you know so when you see this at the comic book level for everybody that doesn't read books you'd be like hold up really you're like wait a minute but it is it's it's a tone setter it sets the tone for people that, you know, like myself who read books and then they read comic books that understand what people got to understand as normal, getting to normal, getting used to something normal in the, in the, in the world that we've been in, because obviously dealing, you know, finding out stuff, dealing with stuff, understanding, it, and just having that understanding that this is what it is. But when you hear it for the first time that Superman is now gay in a series or a story arc, I'm looking at it now. So it's going to, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's gonna, it's gonna knock. It's gonna basically throw you for a loop when you first hear it, because you go back to the '80s, you know, with Christopher Reeves on the big screen and mm-hmm. and through the books through the years. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's bringing in the re what we're living and now fictional life, bring you know, trying to relate to it as well to get everybody to kind of get in on the boat on the on the train and understand I, this is life right now. I'm not into comic books like you are, but I could say definitively. If I had the opportunity to sit in the room with the writers right. for the episode that he comes out to Lois Lane, I would lo- I would just I would love to be a part of that script. I would love to write part of that script. I would just I'd be so I'd be so happy if I could sit in the room and just send it. How how is Superman coming out to Lois Lane? I you know what I mean? I, like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I just you love know it. what? Yes, that would be a fly on the wall moment. Oh that's my god! Definitely, would, that's definitely just like a couple of things in 2021 I'd love to do, and that would definitely be one of them, man. So here it is. So yeah, it says DC. I'm looking at one of the headlines. Just a headline. It says DC mm-hmm. Comics reveals the latest Superman as bisexual. So he's bisexual. So he's mm-hmm. not a hundred. He's not 100 gay. He's bisexual in the new issue, um, literation of Superman bisexual DC Comics. Yep. So that is what he is. So and he these likes comics both. that you read, a lot of them are pretty graphic, right? Oh, yeah. No, it is. I mean, yes. listen, this they get, are this rated. Get, this, yeah, this could get... Man. <laughs> I just, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, whatever, live, live and let live. It doesn't, whatever, whatever's clever with me, but... Yeah, it's, 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 just a new, it's just one of those things. I was like, man, Superman, I, how could Superman... And then I started thinking, like, this would be a... What an episode if he could come out, like, in a, on, in a comic he comes out right. as gay to Lois Lane. Like right. Lois has been like, wait a second, you take off your glasses and your Superman, and now this? Like, oh my God. Like, I never <laughs> see <silly>. it all. <laughs> it's silly. But uh, but no, he, well, he's bisexual for one. He's not 100%, like, like I said. But uh, yeah, it is that. It is that. And I think the writers in this is just like, you know, they they know, comic book writers know that they, a lot of the pop culture is affected through them. You know, they kind of guide the tide. And I mean, I'll be honest, like well, I've been to comic cons in San Diego, you know, at the big one, that's the big one every year I go to. And you just don't see, you just imagine like what I see out there beyond the comic book fans like myself dressed up in the costumes. I mean, even the people, I say they're even the, the, the group of people that are in, that are super religious in, in the church, they're against comic books because, you know, they're out there protesting Oh, saying Jesus, Jesus took 
took our life, took his life, or he lost his life for us, because they feel that is a threat, because they say there's more belief in comic books than it is the Bible or, or, or certain religions. I, I never even knew that. And I'm like, I, I like I'm I wasn't raised in the church. I was, I say more of a spiritual, spiritual person growing up. Um, but so I'm just when I saw that for the first time at Comic Con, I was like, oh my God, the church is battling Marvel and DC too. I'm like, what the French toast? Like, what's going on? I'm like, bang. Hey, let me hey, what you gotta tell the you gotta tell the audience, like when you go to Comic Con, what do you dress up as? Oh, I dress up as Batman, that guy right yeah. there. Not that, yeah. not that. I actually got that. I still got that. I still got that. You got that all day shirt, like all day. Like you just you go there because people ex- every, people expect it from you, right? Every day, I'm Batman. Like actually, people know me as that. Like I'm like I'm humble. I'm like humble and excited. Like oh yeah, you pay attention. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So because the fans, hey, the comic book fans is real. So you don't go. Be- you go. You go. Adam West Batman with that old gray suit, man. No, that. no. I actually, <laughs> I actually go Michael Keaton Batman. His Batman. That, suit. That's the real one, right? That's, yep, that's yeah. I like that. One. I like his long was- ears too. I like that one. Yeah. You know which one I always. I, you know which one I never liked was because Val Kilmer had nipples. Remember Val Kilmer had nipples yep. on the Batman. Suit? Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Those were the oh, worst. Was it? Was it, George, it might have been George Clooney, both. right? No, it was, oh, was it both. Okay. Well, in terms of ones with the nipples, it was Val. You're right. It was only Val. But in terms of the worst cinematic big screen batman acting jobs those two were the worst and george clooney apologized to the fan base in an interview i found online so at least he i don't know about val um if he ever apologized for being a bad batman on the big screen but uh that is our podcast for this week week five um next week we got the bears oh it's bears week mike that's right bears week um, I'll tell. It doesn't feel like week. Bears Week now because, like, we're almost because we're kind of rooting for that quarterback. <laughs> right, we want <laughs> like, Justin to win. Yeah, you know to yeah, play well for the quarterback, but not this week, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I say I'll give. I don't know if you have one, put you on the spot, but think about it. I'll say I'll tell mine first. My Bears Week story. Um, I remember first wasn't no, it was my first. It wasn't my first year. It's probably year. This was year two or three. This is oh one. It was oh one. It was so it was my second year, and during Bears Week. And it's not wasn't practice, wasn't at the stadium. I'm at home. I'm taking out the garbage on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. And I'm not far. I, I lived in East De Pere. I still live in East De Pere. So I'm not for far from De Pere High School. And school must have list just let out. So I'm taking it's about it must be like three o'clock, two thirty, three o'clock. I'm bringing the garbage cans to the curb. Actually, I'm going to grab them. Actually, it was they already picked up. And I see this car and it's full of kids, high school kids. And they just they obviously just got out of school and they're like, Amar Green, oh go pack, go. There's like right in front of my house. And then as they got this side of my house, they're like, Bears still suck. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I was like, the fans is, I'm like, they take it personal. Oh. That's when I found nice. out they these fans take Bears Week serious. I mean, if they were on the field with us it would be too many fights on the football field because fans, uh, they just probably want to punch another Bears fan in the face. And I'm like, it ain't that serious. They're like, I'm like, don't you just hate the Bears? I'm like, uh, we'd be honest. No. I was like, I just want to win the game. I just want to come out with a victory. We always thought that the Vikings were our, our, like for us, the Vikings were the team that were, was, was better. So they were like our rivals. At that time. Yes. Yeah. Like the Vikings were the rivals, the Bears and Lions were like, ah, we shouldn't lose Uh, to them. You know what I mean? Exactly. I remember when the I remember uh well so my foot like the bear there's a there's a story that you know that we, we can't share on this on this uh podcast but it had to do with one of our fellow teammates um having a problem 
um, relieving himself before the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the I, you know, one that actually really stands out for me, so the first time I ever played in a game was it okay, so I'll give you guys, this is, a, is embarrassing, but <clears throat> So my my rookie my rookie year, the t- I mean when I say the, the like Santana Dawson Gilbert those guys hated me man because I didn't know what I was doing but I played really hard so I'm that's like really bad combination ain't nothing wrong with that yeah but I'm like that's punching them and they're like dude I'm trying I'm just trying to like get through week twelve and I'm like ah I'm going and so Mike so Mike Holmgren had told me at the beginning of the year because I had held out blah, blah blah he was like he f you you're not playing I'll see you next year. Tom Lovat was like, yeah, sorry, I'm not coaching you this year. Like, I get the guys ready to play. And so I was just like, Jeff Downbach and Frank Winters would throw me a bone every once in a while, like, teach me how to do something or whatever. I just kind of right. watched them. But I worked hard enough that Mike came up to me and said, hey, listen, I really like the way you work this year. Like, maybe I made a mistake about you, but I'm, I'm going to let you suit up and go to this game and blah, 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 blah. Because back then, I'd get dumped on Friday. Friday, they used to dump four guys. It was me, Jim Nelson, uh, Matt Hasselbeck, and then sometimes with Scott McGarrahan, sometimes with somebody else. Right. And uh, so I, I remember I, I went to the Chicago game. It was down there. It was towards the end of the year. And I think it was Marco, like, sprained his knee or something like that. And he, like, he's limping out of the game. And it's, like, first and goal, right, okay. on the one or something like that. Uh-oh. So I don't know the playbook back here. I'm not even lying to you, man. Like, I was right. – I'm just I'm, – I'm practice. I'm essentially practice, practice squad. Right, right. So we run in, and uh, I think Jeff Dembock's playing. So I run into the game, and like I've got my, you know, helmet on sideways and whatnot. And I run into the game, and they're like, <laughs> Dembock's like saying something to me. I'm like, Nah, man, we're going to this guy. So I like start arguing with him, right? So, and of course I'm wrong. Right. But we end up double teaming a guy, and I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what happened, but all I remember was that I got rolled up on him. Like I think I like sprained my MCL or something. Like I hurt right. myself in this one play, oh, and all I'm thinking in my mind is like. Marco, please, God, don't let him come in right now because I can just fake it. Like for the series, we'll score a touchdown, and then I'll, I'll just kind of like, hey, and then jog off or limp off. Nobody will see it, right? Sure enough, right. man. Literally, Marco's like limping back onto the. Uh, I think it was Marco. I, I'm gonna say it was Marco. It was either Marco or Joey. They're right. running back on, limping back onto the field. I'm like, oh no, because I cannot run. Like I cannot run. Oh my god! So after this one play. I'm limping off the field like a loser and just limping straight across. And then like, I'll make a hard right to the sideline and get to the 25 or whatever the, right. where you're allowed to be. Yeah. So we win the game. Leroy, uh, uh, Leroy Butler has a, like a pick. We win the game. Everyone's like in the showers, happy and everything. Santana Dawson's like, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> like that to me. I'm like, that, like, that's, oh damn! I can see Santana. Oh man, that, that's funny. I can hear I can hear Santana saying that coming yeah. in. Lord have mercy. Hey, so that is the end of our podcast. There, download you can uh, download us wherever you download your podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those spots. And then we're on Twitter at on my block is our Twitter handle, and you can find me uh, at amongreen thirty on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at Amangri. And Mike, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, Facebook, just Mike Wall. Uh, Process to perform on Instagram and then Unrivaled ESS on Twitter. And yeah, hit us up with any uh, question, anything, any questions you have about the game, any questions you have about players, man, we'll answer them on here. Uh, we should probably get a viewer segment going, actually, man, like a viewer's question segment. That's, pretty, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So also, uh, we want the question, so when you, when you download it, Make sure you put in the feedback so we get those feedbacks and rate us and review us. We love those that uh, that keeps the 
the uh, the, the shows coming uh, for the next seasons to come. But yeah, we'll definitely think about doing a uh, viewers question uh, cast for to get questions sent to us, and then we'll answer them for the whole whatever amount of time or questions that we have to to spend that week. So everybody, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and see y'all next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.